Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. I'm J.W. Cox, filling in this week for Scott Peterson. Coming up, ticks and mosquitoes, oh my, the flying pests are out in force. We'll also look at the COVID-19 situation in Minnesota and hop around the Minnesota State Capitol, where things are anything but slow as the weather's heating up. But first, this. Former Golden Gopher men's basketball player Al Nolan is impacting his hometown of Minneapolis in an awesome and incredible way. Nolan was a star player at Minneapolis Patrick Henry High School and was a four-year player for the Golden Gophers from 2007 to 2011. He's now helping mentor boys and girls and teaching them through basketball with the Al Nolan Foundation's Academy of Excellence. The summer program starts for its second year next month. Eminent Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with Nolan about the foundation and program. The Academy of Excellence is a five-week summer program, four days a week, four hours a day. We do, you know, basketball, skills and drills. So we're working on ball handling, working on some shooting. And then also, you know, we're, we're introducing, you know, some two-on-two, three-on-three to also help teach our, our young kids how to, you know, pass, cut, screen, just like the basics that we, you know, watched with the NBA Finals and Steph Curry and that and the Warriors team moving, you know, moving around and just, you know, I, I love working with the younger generation. So, um, you know, it's aimed at third through eighth grade boys and girls. And so, like I said before, we go five weeks through the summertime and it's just, uh, I think, a, a important space during that time where they're, you know, fresh out of school, you know, give them a little bit of time off, but then to kind of fill that gap in for them. And we also, you know, feed them twice a day. I was able to partner with uh, Minneapolis Public School food distribution. So we get breakfast and lunch every day for the kids and then also give them a stack snack to take home. So uh, making sure they're, they're getting those nutritious meals as well. And then I have a, a couple um, um, financial institutions in the area that are going to come over and do some financial literacy. I had a, a licensed school um, psychologist, Jack Page. She's actually a graduate from uh, the University of Minnesota. She was able to come through and, and, and facilitate some, some small group circles and some summer sort of circles, you know, um, talking about community, school, ball, um, goals, uh, you know, some positive affirmation activities. So just trying to be a well-rounded program and, and, and give the kids you know what they want obviously basketball training but also at the same time sneak in some things here and there for them to bite and chew on and and that they will take with them moving forward into the school year after the program is over wow that is so cool um and and in terms of the academy then you said it's four days a week and for five weeks and is it so like is it a group of kids comes in one day or is it the same group comes in every day same group coming in every day it's you know it's almost like summer school wow that's awesome yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, last year was our first year. This year uh, will be our second year, obviously. And we'll be right over here at uh, off Broadway at, at Logan Park in northeast Minneapolis, actually not too far from campus. And so, you know, we're hoping to try and get some gopher basketball players over there to uh, you know, facilitate some program relief. It's not against the compliance rules, so of course I'm gonna check with that. And, and you know, I, I feel like the kids loved it. Um, we had a good turnout. We had about 50 kids sign up last year. About 
solid 25 come every day and they seem to enjoy it. Parents love it. Uh, we only charge $25 to, that was the whole point of starting the foundation is to be able to provide, you know, these services, you know, at a low, low cost, little to nothing for these communities and, and the kids that may not have the means to pay for, you know, all this training and whatnot. Cause it's, it's really popular. A lot of kids love basketball and, and a lot of kids are getting involved. And it's also an opportunity in particular too, is, is to make it multicultural. We've got a lot of different cultures, different backgrounds coming from different, different areas areas in, in the state to all can participate in the gym and, and get to know one another. Just work together and build and, and something that's extremely important to me. Uh, as you spoke of before, you know, Blake Hallparker, I played with him uh, what, two years AAU prior to even coming to the University of Minnesota. So that was huge for me to be able to play like guys like himself and to be able to develop those relationships and get to know him. And, you know, we came from, you know, two totally different places. And then, you know, we, we continue to still have a, a close-knit relationship to this day. You know, we take it back and forth. Um, and he supported the foundation as well. So, so it's just something that I, I, I want to build, and I think it's really important, especially during this time, to, to get these kids uh, not only basketball training, but all of these other different qualities as well to help them become well-rounded young people. So I, I think one of the cool aspects, you mentioned maybe some former Gophers, you've got some financial nuggets and everything else, but I, to be able for kids, and as we've talked about, maybe some financial challenges for some of these families, to get some meals, a breakfast and a lunch while you're getting basketball skills, that might be as important as any of, of anything you're doing as part of this academy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a lot of kids, I know even particularly myself when I was a kid, you know, a student, um, young know, with my mother, you know, I relied on those school meals every day, you know, breakfast and lunch. Those those were huge to me because as I got home, sometimes, you know, we, we were scrambling trying to find out, you know, figure out what we were going to eat. And so I think it's huge during the time that they're out of school that, you know, you have somebody coming to provide that support where our scholars and their families, you know, know like, hey, when they, when they go to the Academy of Excellence, we know he's going to be fed breakfast and lunch. And so that's something we don't have to worry about. They can even get snacked afterwards. And so, you know, we're just trying to make sure we support them in, in all facets and as, as much as possible during these difficult times. Who um, is eligible or who do you target for this in terms of the kids you want to want to help? Um, so usually I target low-income families. And so, you know, I have a you know a registration page that they fill out and with a bunch of different questions um, and, and kind of go from there. And then also try and recruit kids with kids from the North Minneapolis area. I'm, I'm trying to work on getting into Minneapolis public schools and developing a partnership with them as, as I'm a product of the school. And then also, you know, someone who worked in Minneapolis public schools and, and also now uh, that they can look to and say, hey, it's a success story. And so, you know, like you spoke about earlier, I'm somebody that can speak to the plight and the journey. And I think that's important. And so just trying to target those kids in Minneapolis public schools in the North Minneapolis uh, area in particular, and then it, also in low-income areas. But, you know, we're not turning any kids away. We love for all kids to be a part of it, because as I said before, I think it, you, you need, you know, high achievers as well. You need kids coming from coming from the suburbs as well to just balance it all out so that they can learn from each other and get to understand each other and develop compassion and teamwork and, and just, you know, learn how to work together and how to build. And then, of course, I'm sure both parties can share you know, different characteristics, you know, that can help one another that, you know, they may have not have known or may have, you know, haven't developed just yet. But, you know, coming to the academy and being a part of it and hearing, you know, each scholar's story is, is something that I think is huge. And I've even had them, them talk to me about, like, hey, you know, Coach Al, we, we, we kept up with so-and-so over TikTok over the summertime and, and we can't wait to go. Why why does it have to start in July? Why can't it start in June? So, and they've developed, you know, relationships that I'm sure are going to continue to grow, especially as we talk about social media it's so easy you know to communicate so uh yeah i'm just really excited about it i'm looking forward to it this summer 
That's former Gopher basketball player Al Nolan alongside Eminem Sports Director Mike Grimm. For more info on the Al Nolan Foundation, go to nolanfoundation.org. The Academy of Excellence begins July 5th in Minneapolis. To hear that entire interview, you can tune in to Grimm's Go Gopher podcast at talknorth.com. More Minnesota Matters next. Change a light bulb, save some green. Just replace traditional light bulbs with energy-efficient bulbs and fixtures. If you're like most people, 20% of your home electric bills go directly to lighting. Every light we switch to one bearing the government's Energy Star label uses at least two-thirds less energy than older bulbs. Such a light will save more than $30 in energy costs over its lifetime. Brighten your environmental future from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community, too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Summer is here, kids are out of school, and we're all looking to get out of doors more and more. And so are the pesky flying pests. I spoke with Alex Carlson with the Metropolitan Mosquito Control District about just why this year they seem to be a bit more of a nuisance. It's nothing exceptional or unusual for this time of year. It's pretty in line with what we've seen um, most years past. Uh, One kind of difference is last year there was very few mosquitoes all year long because it was a drought year. Uh, And so I think people were accustomed to not having to fight mosquitoes, and now they're back. And so people aren't necessarily prepared for them. We saw a flip switch or a, a switch flip kind of right at the end of uh, May, where we got a lot of rain, and that led to a lot of mosquitoes that hatched right at the beginning of June. And so it's kind of locally, we're seeing high areas. So it's northern Anoka County, spots in Hennepin County, and right around the, the Twin Cities, right around St. Paul, especially. Uh, we're seeing high numbers in the traps that we collected last week. But uh, it's nothing exceptional or unusual for this time of year. It's- I asked Carlson about what the season may look like moving forward. It's going to be a pretty typical year for the next month or so. Uh, it looks like we're we're not expecting any major rain events in the next you know ten fifteen days. Uh, but if we do get localized heavy rain with some isolated thunderstorms, that means those communities will probably see a spike. Um, but if we stay relatively dry over the next you know two weeks, then we'll start to see the numbers go down. But then in a typical summer, mosquitoes peak around the first week of July. So uh, assuming that we get a relatively normal rain year uh, like we've had so far, then we're going to see, you know, mosquitoes peaking right around the 4th of July when everybody wants to be outside. So we take uh, we remind people to take precautions by wearing that insect repellent, 
dumping out any standing water that people might see near them and uh, just avoiding the peak mosquito feeding hours, which are right around when the sun goes down. Carlson says there are plenty of steps homeowners can take to help battle mosquitoes, including adding some type of air movement to your outdoor gathering spaces. If you are if you have a seating area outside, you, they're attracted to people's you know, body odor. And it kind of distributes people's smells so that they're not as able to find you. Um, adding a screened-in area where they're less likely to get you. Uh, you can purchase you know products at local hardware stores where you can apply to your yard. Just make sure if people are purchasing anything that they're following label precautions. Um, and then also, if, if you want to hire somebody, make sure you're hiring a professional who's Department of Ag certified uh, and knows what they're doing. And you can find a list of people at our website, along with a lot of other tips for reducing mosquitoes on your property. Carlson says they're not just reactionary this time of year, getting plenty of calls about mosquito treatment, but they're also proactive in their battle against mosquitoes. This is absolutely a busy time for us. Uh, in addition to getting a lot of calls and trying to respond to people who have um, specific concerns, we also have uh, a lot of activity that we do with our larval treatments, trying to get materials into the water that are going to reduce any existing larva or any larva that may be emerging after rain over the next you know, two or three months. Uh, so June is definitely a peak busyness time, so we encourage people to be patient with us. Uh, and our website it has a contact form where they can submit questions or uh, report high mosquito levels, and that goes right to the field offices. So that's a great resource for people. It isn't just those mosquitoes that are the issue either this time of year. The other reminder that we're always giving people this time of year is to check for ticks because uh, June is peak month for Lyme disease transmission in Minnesota. So make sure if anybody's going to be out hiking or in a wooded area or in any type of long grass to check themselves, check their pets, check their kids, because ticks are very prevalent this time of year. Uh, and you don't want to take anything home with you. While the threat for both exists in the summer, ticks have their own cycle of peaks and valleys. Ticks are actually a little different than mosquitoes because they tend to peak in the spring, uh, and then their numbers dwindle pretty much right towards the end of June, and August is pretty much a dead month for ticks. There's not a lot of tick activity, whereas that's a pretty busy month for mosquitoes. And then they tend to come back out in the fall, starting in September and then really in October, until it gets really cold out, then they kind of over winter. So people need to always be on the lookout for ticks, especially early in the summer and then late kind of in the, as we head into fall. Precautions again, check yourself when you come in from the woods, tall grasses or brush, and always have that insect repellent to give you the best shot to keep those pests at bay. After a short break, Minnesota Matters continues next. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Political reverberations from the Uvalde school shootings continued this week, as did fallout from the less-than-fully-productive Minnesota legislative session, which ended just about a month ago. Eminem's Bill Werner has a report for us. JW, after announcing the framework of an anti-gun violence package last weekend, this week, top lawmakers in Washington wrangled over the details. Reaction in Minnesota was mixed from groups on both sides of the issue. Rashmi Senavarethna with Protect Minnesota says proposed changes to background checks do not go far enough. I applaud Congress for making the small step, but this conversation needs to continue, and it needs to really look at root causes, 
and look at community-driven solutions. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus is leery of that provision, which would allow more time for authorities to do background checks on prospective gun buyers under the age of 21. We're just not quite sure what they're trying to do, and it could end up that, that lawful gun owners could get caught up in uh, you know, in the middle of it. Gun Owners Caucus spokesman Rob Dorr says they're glad for finally a focus on areas everyone can agree on, such as school security and mental health resources, but he questions red flag orders that he says could treat the firearm as the issue instead of helping the individual. Any type of red flag orders that just go in and take firearms without addressing the individual that's in crisis, we would likely oppose. Protect Minnesota's Senator Varethna also applauds the mental health initiatives, but says proposed gun regulations react only to the Texas shooting. What about the next school shooting? Are we just going to let school shootings keep happening and mass shootings keep happening and we react to that one situation and not the kind of comprehensive problem. Senator Amy Klobuchar called the overall deal a positive step forward, noting that it includes provisions she co-sponsored to close the so-called boyfriend loophole to keep guns out of the hands of convicted domestic abusers. Governor Tim Walz had another meeting with legislative leaders this week as he continued trying to convince Republicans to agree on a tax cut and budget deal so he can call the legislature back for a special session. Amid prospects no brighter this week than last, the governor renewed his push for a one-time tax rebate, Walls checks, arguing families need that extra money in their pockets immediately to offset inflation. I brought it up because I think the situation has changed since May. I think the economic outlook has changed. I think the state position. I, I just think at this point in time where Minnesotans could get immediate relief having that cash in hand, especially for inflationary costs on gas and food, I think it makes more sense now in the economic situation we're in. The tax cuts, whether, you, you know, whether you're supportive of them or not, you'll not see an impact on families in the short run because of that. The governor stressed his message to lawmakers. I'm not asking them to pay between the tax cuts and checks. I'm asking them to do both. Um, as well as education. Plus, funding to improve public safety and invest in transportation, the governor says. Senate Republicans have shown little interest in having a special session. If you would have been told that the Republican Senate would turn down the largest tax cut since 1858, and the reason is, well, we're just not comfortable at this point with, and then it's blank after that. Not comfortable with what? Republicans seemed willing to go along with a tax cut bill, even though it was nowhere near as large as they wanted. But they have been hesitant to spend any of the surplus on state programs, arguing the budget is already too large. The governor's Republican challenger, Scott Jensen, is not involved in budget negotiations, but he said about that. If you want to do the $4 billion tax relief, have at it. But no more spending. We've got to start looking about... What's happening here? Analysts say Republicans' strategy is to save as much of the budget surplus as possible for larger tax cuts, banking on Jensen being in the governor's office and GOP control of both the House and the Senate after the November elections. Now let's move over to what's turning into another hot contest, the race for Minnesota Attorney General. Republican Doug Wardlow, who's challenging GOP-endorsed Attorney General candidate Jim Schultz in the August primary, this week unveiled his Safe Minnesota plan, which includes includes increasing the number of criminal prosecutors in the AG's office, making them available to local law enforcement and county attorneys, and setting up a human trafficking prosecution unit. Wardlow is blasting the Democratic incumbent. Keith Ellison has utterly failed in his duty to protect Minnesotans, and he has done nothing as violent crime has spread across our cities, and 
spilled into the suburbs and really spread across greater Minnesota. Campaign spokeswoman Jean Stewart responds, Ellison has tripled the size of the criminal division and supervised successful prosecution of 39 cases, including murder, manslaughter, and sexual assault. She says what Wardlow calls his plan is a rehash of work Ellison and other state agencies are already doing. And an interesting side note, GOP hopeful Wardlow endorsed GOP candidate Schultz and Democratic Attorney General Keith Ellison all want to expand the criminal prosecution division in the attorney general's office. Ellison asked the legislature for $1.8 million to do that, but Senate Republicans refused. Wardlow says why his fellow Republicans said no to Ellison. He hasn't uh, displayed anything that would indicate we should trust him to go ahead and take care of the violent crime problem, and it's pretty clear that he's not serious about solving uh, the lawlessness problem in Minnesota. He's done nothing about it for so long. Campaign spokeswoman Jean Stewart responded, Ellison's opponents, quote, should talk to members of the Senate GOP who are currently stonewalling investments to expand the criminal division and over $300 million for public safety, including support for law enforcement. And this week, the Minnesota Senate's Subcommittee on Ethical Conduct issued subpoenas and will investigate a Republican complaint that Minneapolis Democrat Omar Fateh proposed a half million dollars in state funding for an internet TV channel that he ran campaign ads on. Hutchinson Republican Scott Newman asked Fateh, other than two ads he claims he paid for in summer of 2020. Did you pay Somali TV for the production or posting of any TV campaign ads. Fateh did not answer whether he paid for any other internet postings, but said... There were videos, a lot of videos that, um, and interviews also, that I provided to them for them to post. Fateh said some are not relevant because they were from his 2018 campaign for the Minnesota House. Big Lake Republican Mary Kiffmeyer disagrees. This is relevant because it shows a pattern of disregarding ethical conduct. The ethics panel set to continue its questioning on July 7th. JW? More Minnesota Matters, next. As a young teenage boy, I didn't even know what autism was. How do you even spell that? A few years later, I heard that a friend's cousin's son had been diagnosed with autism. I still wasn't sure what that really meant. When I went to college, my roommate's brother had autism. When I moved to the city for work, my best friend called me and told me his son had been diagnosed with autism. We were both in shock. I still remember the day I walked into the house and saw that look on my wife's face. I knew something was wrong. I'll never forget how I felt when she said, our son has autism. Autism is getting closer to home. Today, one in 110 children is diagnosed with autism. That's a 600% increase in the last 20 years. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Tasha Riddle checks in now with an update on COVID-19 in Minnesota. Thanks, JW. Joining me today is Dr. Mark Steffen. He's the Chief Medical Officer at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota. So, Dr. Steffen, have we been seeing a true uptick in cases of COVID-19? Yeah, yeah Tasha, over the last, you know, probably 
four weeks, uh, uh, if not five weeks, we saw an uptick in cases. I think we're actually hitting the peak of that uh, wave as we've seen some of those case numbers uh, plateau. Um, I think what I'm looking forward to is seeing um, a couple weeks of subsequent decrease uh, in the case numbers. But, you know, absolutely, I've I've talked to a lot of uh, individuals and certainly uh, had individuals in my own family uh, who have had uh, COVID uh, in the last, you know, two to four weeks. For people that are vaccinated and boosted, is it still common to still contract COVID? Yeah, it's not uncommon. And, And I think we have to go back and remember Number, you know, what do we really want vaccines to do? And what we really want vaccines to do is keep people out of the hospital um, and keep people from dying. Uh, and they continue to do an inordinately good job uh, at that. And, you know, if you look back over the last two years, uh, what's been a good to see is that, you know, we've continued to have waves of infections where we see case numbers increase. But when you look at the hospitalizations and the deaths that come as a result of those cases, they continue to be suppressed, um, particularly since uh, um, uh, vaccines uh, came to uh, pass. And, you know, I think this current wave is a reminder to people. Uh, COVID is not gone, uh, and, and we need to remember to, you know, both stay vigilant. And for those that haven't had the opportunity to get vaccinated or, or haven't had uh, the boosters that are recommended for them, don't forget, never too late. Go out and get those now uh, because they will continue to protect you. And you just led me into my next question. When we're talking about a booster, how often should someone be going in and getting that booster shot? Yeah. So, you know, they, the booster recommendations currently um, are based on age. Uh, and, and so I, I really encourage and people to go on to either the Minnesota Department of Health site or the Center for Disease Control uh, and, and make sure they look at that. Because for people age 50 and above now, uh, the recommendation is for all of those individuals to actually have their second booster. Uh, so that means a total of four uh, COVID vaccines, uh, the initial uh, uh, two uh, uh, shot series, Uh, a booster following that two-shot series, uh, and then now this second booster or fourth total shot for those 50 and above. Now, there are some varying recommendations for people who have certain immune uh, conditions, uh, and so for those individuals, they should really talk uh, with their doctor no matter what age uh, they are. So is it fair to say we are still in a pandemic or have we reached an endemic level? Yeah, it's a great question, <laughs> and I think it's going to be hotly debated uh, for a while. And, you know, the switch, it, I, I certainly think it's fair to say that we are still within a pandemic. We're still seeing uh, COVID cases uh, and, and significant levels of COVID cases, you know, not only here in the United States, uh, but we're seeing similar uh, patterns uh, play out uh, across the world. Um, I think we're getting closer to the point where COVID uh, is becoming endemic. Uh, in other words, it's it's something that we will uh, be living with uh, for a period of time. Uh, and 
you, you can think of uh, uh, flu being kind of the example. You know, we have seasonal waves of uh, uh, flu virus, and, you know, certainly people get vaccinated every year uh, for the flu. Um, I think what's yet to be determined is what is that going to look like for COVID? Yeah, is it going to be a yearly phenomenon where we, you know, see it in the uh, winter months as, you know, certainly people in Minnesota um, uh, close up uh, the doors and the windows and, and retreat to the indoors? Uh, or will we see some of these waves uh, uh, more frequently, but at lower levels uh, like we have here over the last year? Thanks again to my guest, Dr. Mark Steffen, Chief Medical Officer at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota. Back to you, JW. And that'll do it for another edition of Minnesota Matters. I'm JW Cox. I'm Scott Peterson. On behalf of all of us here at MNN, thanks for joining us and tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.